Good morning, everybody. Hello. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good brunch. Good brunch, everybody. I'm Jamie Baker. I'm Sarah Matthews. And this is Nurse Coffee Talk. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Welcome. Good evening. Welcome. It's morning for me, although really it's nighttime for me. Really, it's I'm evening just... for you, and it's morning for me. <laughs> I'm just coming off a 17-hour shift. <laughs> Ships in the day. Ships in the day, man. Ships in the day. 17 hours? Jesus Christ. Well, it was a, supposed to be a, <laughs> it was supposed to be a 12-hour shift, but then somebody didn't show up, and so my boss was like begging people to come in. Offering a lot of incentive pay, so I was like, "Oh, mm, worth it. I could use some money." Yeah, I was like, "I'm already working, money. so my weekend's already ruined. I might as well just ruin it further." Well, absolutely, <laughs> if you're already there or about to be there, it's like, why not? Yeah, you might as well just make extra money doing yeah. it. So it was a no call, no show. Well, no, it no, it was <laughs> just a last minute. The night before the shift, the person who was supposed to be working the shift didn't know they were supposed to be working. And we only staff with one Uh, person. So the manager was like scrambling to get people in. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, meh. But let me tell you, I got into work and my boss was very grateful that I had come in, which was nice. Felt nice to be appreciated. You don't hear that very often uh and she offered to buy me dinner and i was like you don't have to buy me dinner it's fine like i'm thinking you're already paying me incentive pay and all this stuff and i'm in overtime so i'm making like a lot of money to be here Mm -hmm. but she's like no 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 i'm really appreciative like let me buy you dinner like do you want pizza or something and i'm thinking no i don't fucking want pizza like that's the only thing that's open for night shift ever yeah so Given that it's now four o'clock in the afternoon, I want something other than pizza. I was like, you know what? I would like Starbucks because I literally rolled out of bed and came here and didn't have time to stop at Starbucks. She's like, I'll go get you Starbucks. She's like, do you want food too? So I ordered some food as well. And she's like, yeah, I'll go get it. I'll bring it to you. So I give her my Starbucks order. And you and I have had this conversation before. Mm-hmm. This feels think, like she's been set up for failure. Well, have we had the conversation about like the coffee chain that's in our area versus Starbucks. I don't know if we have. Okay. So there's this coffee chain and I'm pretty sure it's a national coffee chain, but just given that I don't know for sure, I don't want to like give away my location, but so for ease of story, I'm going to call it Dunkin' Donuts, but it's not Dunkin' Donuts. Not throwing shade on Dunkin' Donuts. Just Heads up to everybody. (laughs) The problem that I have with, quote, Dunkin' Donuts is that when I go get coffee at this chain, no matter what I order, my coffee is different from location to location. (laughs) Sure. Yes. I've been in places like that. Yeah. It's just really, really inconsistent. Despite the fact that it's the same chain, I'm ordering the same thing. But it always comes out tasting different. So I never know how to order my drink. And that's always been a point of frustration with me. Whereas yeah. Starbucks is very consistent. I can go to a Starbucks in my state, five states over, 10 states in either direction, internationally, and I can get my drink made exactly the way I like it every time. Yes. So 
I like that consistency because I know what I'm getting. So I send my boss to get me Starbucks and I write down my order exactly as I want it. And she brings me this drink. And first of all, it's not the same color as it normally is. So okay. I know right off the bat it's not made correctly. Now, I've said this before. I don't care for Starbucks coffee. Like, I like their chai lattes. I like their teas. So I take a sip of this drink that I'm all excited for. And it is just like, it might as well just be a cup of their bold, bitter espresso. Ugh. And I'm just devastated inside and i don't even want to what about it. your order translated into that i have no idea but it's i mean it wasn't even anywhere near the color right of the drink that i normally get so i so don't did know she just not order the right thing or did she get the wrong order i don't know i mean it's frustrating i mean according to the sticker on the cup i'm looking at it right now it looks like what i order yeah. So I don't know if they just made it wrong, but I was just so let down because that's the one thing that keeps me going to Starbucks is the consistency in the drink. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to jack up the consistency, then I definitely can't spend like $87 a cup of coffee for you. Right. So, so anyway, that was my coffee devastation. Does anybody else have coffee devastations? Well, I've been having an issue where, so as, when I was at my old job, I couldn't really order from the, like, special Starbucks that's near the hospital that allows mm -hmm. you to take pre-orders because oh, it was okay. too far away and I had to go to this, like, totally dissatisfactory one because usually you <laughs> only have a minute, right, to run out and grab it. Like, I don't have time sure. to walk all the way across creation. Well, right. my new job's in a different location, so I am able to order on the app ahead of time. Now, I okay. am not someone that loves Starbucks enough or goes every day or anything like that where I would ever want the app. So I never had oh, it. Okay. I don't care about okay. points. It doesn't mean anything to me. I go once in a blue moon. But being able to order ahead is a game changer because it is so busy. unbelievably busy. Yeah. Because it services a huge area for like hospital staff, students, all the clinics. Sure. So everyone in outpatient, everyone in the hospital, like a huge amount of people. Yeah. And so we will place, an, we'll have everyone like place their order and then we'll just send like two people to go get a, for a big group. Right. And it keeps it simple because everyone's paying for themselves. So you don't have to deal with that. Right. And yeah. it's like beep, beep, boop, boop. And it's done. And yep. the last three times I have gone, everyone else's order has been ready and mine has not been. Really? Even if I order before them, I do not order anything complicated. I order a latte. It's normal. And... Huh. It's always me standing there like an idiot waiting for my <laughs> waiting for my stupid latte oh. to come out. I don't know why. There's just something about it where it's just not being processed as fast. And now this is like first world fucking problems. Literally, who cares? It's <laughs> right. low stakes. It couldn't literally couldn't matter less. But it's like you look. I feel like a moron just standing there staring at them. Like, are you gonna make my latte? Is that latte for me? Who's that for? Who's that for? No, that's not the right size. Is that is that mine? But you just have the wrong size. No, okay, no, no, that's not mine. Okay, uh, and everyone is staring at me like, can we go? Are you done yet? Can we go? What's the hold up? What's the problem? Yeah, and you're like, thanks a latte. <laughs> thanks a latte, motherfucker. <laughs> 
I was there one day. I went to a Starbucks that I don't usually go to, and I know that the Starbucks is like really high volume, and they're notoriously slow because I've been to the Starbucks, and I specifically avoid the Starbucks because of it. Yeah. But I was studying, and it's near the law school, so I went, and I was like, oh, I'll just... Uh, you know, place my order and then I'll go study. I've got time. No big deal. And so I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. I knew they were busy, so it was fine. Like 10 minutes go by, 15 minutes go by, like 20 minutes go by. And at this mm. point I'm like, where's my drink here? Yeah. So I go and I look at, cause you know, they have like the section where they put all the mobile orders and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or actually, this wasn't because I was I ordered inside and they just put it all in the same spot. Like if you order in the store, they stick it there. If you have a mobile order, sure. they stick it there. It's all the same. So I go up there to look at it and I don't see my drink anywhere. And I'm clearly like looking around with a face that says something's not right. Can you help mm-hmm. me? And they're mm-hmm. just going about their day oh, yeah. like pumping. My pet Oh, my God. Like, they couldn't have been more oblivious to me standing there. And so I'm like, excuse me. And he's like, yeah, what can I do for you? And I'm just like, well, I've been waiting for my drink for, like, 25 minutes now. Do you know anything about it? (laughs) So they're investigating, and they tell me that, oh, we already made that. And I'm like, well, it's not here. You've never called my name. I've been sitting right here waiting the whole time. And they're like, okay, we'll remake it for you. And then they're like, oh, we're out of the ingredients for it. Oh, my God. Okay, well, things you that would have been nice to know You did not fucking make it. I Shut up. Ordered. Don't lie. I know. I know. And I, I'm just like, oh, dear God. And I don't, it's because I don't like their, like their actual coffee. Well, right, don't you don't have want to have a, a lot of backup options. Yeah. 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 Well, there's this one chain, like, order at the counter and go restaurant. I'm not going to say what it is in case it's not regional. Sure. And my friend and I have an inside joke about it because every time you go there, they just don't care if you have a good experience. And that's fine. And the food tastes good, so whatever. But it's, like, just run by high school kids. And every single one I've been to across any state (laughs) is run by high school kids. And I'm like, can I just hop back there and make it myself real quick? Oh, boy. Because they are looking at you like they've never heard of the food that you're trying to order, even though it's the only thing that they sell there. And <laughs> and then you're like, okay, so I want X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh. And I'm like, so can you can you make it? Like, what's what's the hold up? Why can't we start this <laughs> yeah. process? Do I do I need to explain further? Do I need more? Or... Do I need to give you more information? Like, what's going to happen next? And then they like make it so slow, and they put like the extra stuff on it. Like it's coming out of their paycheck personally, which I'm sure is just uh, absolutely a a corporate thing. Like, I can't really blame them for that. But some are really generous and some are not. I don't appreciate that inconsistency. And of course, because sometimes you get your food and you're like, this is amazing. And other times I'm going to go back here every day. Yeah. Right. And then it finally comes out and it's like, maybe they let you know, maybe they don't. You kind of have to stand there and watch them to make sure that they're going to do it. It's supposed to have toppings at the end too and they won't offer it to you unless you're standing right in front of them which is insane and so it's just like it's worth it because the food is tasty but it's not because the emotional (laughs) toll that it takes distress every experience so every time we go to one we text each other and we're like ugh, i'm at the teenagers (laughs) hangout and i hate it here funny 
Which is so odd because Chick-fil-A has no problem getting teenagers to do the right thing. That's true. A very good point. Now, that's a good... Let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. Because I have become an age that I didn't think I would reach because being raised by (laughs) boomer parents, you know, the Karen culture and not liking that and this idea of customer service and I've worked in service and I understand how hard it is and the abuse that they suffer and all these things, right? Like I am not a lunatic about service, but I have reached an age where I really am getting agitated when service is rude and terrible. Yeah, because it's kind of like if you don't like your job, walk away. Well, that's not, it's not as simple as that because people can't just can't leave their work. Like they have to work. But I, I guess my, what I, when you're saying about Chick-fil-A or I've, I've been to other places where the standard is high customer service, right? Mm-hmm. And you know where there sh- that should be happening? The hospital. Because there's nothing quite like walking up to a unit and the clerk goes, yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Can I help you? You're tra- are you talking to patients like that? Are you kidding? Right. I had to. Ma- right. I was making phone calls the other day at work. I was trying to make my patient an appointment, and so I'm I'm calling my own health system. Right. Everyone's answering the phone. Blah blah medicine. Yeah. Does that bathe me in the warmth of the patient experience exactly? This thing that you claim to care so much about. So I just feel like an old crotchety Karen. And I, I mean, I never yell at them. I'm so, I truly make such an effort to be so nice to them, even when they're not yeah. being nice, because I feel like killing them with kindness couldn't hurt. Right. And sometimes it helps warm them up a little bit when I am appreciative that they're doing work for me and that they're making an effort for me. But like, I'll call a home care company. I'm like, hey, I'm just calling to follow up on a referral. They'll go, <sighs> hold on. Oh, oh, my oh God. I'm sorry. Is doing the literal only function of your job like a big is it putting putting you out in a big way? <laughs> well, let me tell you. So I have a couple things to say on the I'm piggybacking on that, which number one is in the height of COVID, we were staffing with two people in our office and there were some nights where we would have a decent amount of downtime. And it seems like the less we had to do, the more lazier we were about doing it all. <laughs> well, totally, yes. Every little thing when you have nothing to do becomes just like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Who's <laughs> right. calling me right so, now? And you're like, the phone is we, ringing six hours. Uh, that's what was, so we, we wouldn't get a phone call for three hours and the phone would ring and we would look at each other and just say like, oh my God, what do they want? <laughs> But of I course, mean, exactly. you say that before you pick up the phone, and then yeah. you, you know, yeah. turn that yeah, frown you upside you down. You don't answer the phone, what do you want? What right. are you calling me for? <laughs> right. You get that out before you answer the phone. <laughs> and then another thing I was going to say about it is, you know, maybe it is just an element of maturity because... You know, one thing that I recognize way more now than I did in my younger years was internal customer service, which is, Mm -hmm. look, we don't have to be dicks to each other, right? Mm -hmm. There's really no reason for it. We are literally all on the same team working towards the same goal. And while you have a problem that might be very frustrating for you... I'm here to help you, so yeah, you it's not my fault. being a snippy and snarky at me is not... It doesn't make me want to help you, really. So yeah. let's just be kind to each other. I, I mean, it is unreal, and, you know, I'm sorry to throw surgery nurses under the bus, but at my particular facility, they are the worst humans. 
Like mm, they just interesting. They are so miserable. I don't know if it's because they work with terrible surgeons all day or what it is. But in part of my role, if I board an OR case on the weekend emergently, I have to call in the surgery team. Like that's part of my job. So I'll call them in and they are so mean to me about it. Aww. Or if something isn't done completely perfectly or or whatever or they're very demanding, for example, if they need blood for the OR, they'll call, we need blood now. Um, okay, I'm I'm in the middle of a code right now, so I, I can't get it for you. I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, like, catering to you in surgery isn't my job. But you could be kind about it. And yeah. yeah and oh, it's just stuff like that. No, I, I yeah. totally agree with you. And I think, I don't want every conversation I have to harp back to this, but man, it's really hard because every conversation we have harps back to this. Oh my God, the lack of professionalism in nursing. Oh, yeah. It drives me bonkers. Yeah. It drives me bonkers. Why Why is there no engagement in the professional growth in, in nurses? And it's clearly the, la- the lack of it allows these grown adults like to run around talking to other people like this. Do you talk to your husband like that? I mean, maybe I mean, you do. <laughs> I mean, maybe you're just a bitch. Like, that's, that's potentially true, and that's fine. Whatever. Get sure. off, I guess. But it's unreal to me that people think that that's okay. And I do think yeah. part of it, to your point, is that surgeons speak to them like that. So mm-hmm. whether they mean to or not, there is this trickle-down lateral violence ex- experience of... I didn't like the way that someone spoke to me, but I know that they got a power trip out of it. So I feel like my power has been taken away. So I'm going to speak like that to somebody else and get a little ounce of power. And it's going to feel good for a second to be a total fucking bitch to this random house manager who I don't know from Eve. So like, I just, I mean, there's so many, there's so many examples of that though. Even the way that we, we talk about people giving each other report coming in snotty to me. Oh, yeah. Everyone needs to literally take a Xanax and relax. Maybe we should start giving those out as you walk through the work doors. <laughs> Maybe. Do you think that would help? Um, <clears throat> I think I would be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely would be asleep. The other thing I wanted to say is, so I have a couple new grad orientees in my ER right now. And there's two medics. There's somebody who worked in healthcare in a different capacity prior to becoming a nurse. And then there's one that didn't work in the hospitals or maybe was an aide or something before nursing school. So one of the medics and the one who either didn't work in a hospital or was an aide before, they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. The The other one who has been a medic for 30 years and the, and the one who worked in the ER specifically in a different capacity... Mm-hmm. They have the worst attitudes. They think they know everything. Mm-hmm. They are snotty AF to the point where their preceptors have disavowed them. Really? <laughs> yes. And they've had to be placed with other preceptors because the preceptors are like, I, I can't do anything with this person because yeah, I mean, they know everything. If you're not going to be receptive to learning, then what are we doing? Right. And I think they both think that they know everything because they have such significant experience prior to becoming a nurse. But the argument is, I don't care if you were a fucking doctor before this, you still have to learn to be a nurse. Correct. It's different. Yes. But it's different. the whole point, the whole point of my saying this, because we've talked about that many times, the point of me saying this is the one medic 
came into a room the other day and was bitching and moaning about something and like spun on her heel and walked out. And as other nurses were like helping get this guy triaged and lined and labbed and stuff. And the guy looked at the other nurses and said, is that going to be my nurse? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just such a reminder of like, there's people on the other sides of our comments. Yeah. I remember one time in the ER, I think about this all the time, not because they complimented me, but just because of what it meant for a patient. Mm -hmm. It had been a very busy day. There's always an excuse, right? But you know what? It's always, it's almost always busy. There's almost always a reason to be unkind. And we have to rise above that and choose to not be even in the face of that. So someone had come into the ER and they had a lot of family with them and whoever it was, let them, all the family come back at (gasps) once. Like that's not the family's fault. They were told they could come back. So they they come back with like I mean I think it was like three or four family members, which is just way too. I I know, but I was thinking like fifteen or. (laughs) Oh no 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 not too bad. No, it wasn't like it was an entire extended family, but it was a lot of people, and they were all asking the questions at the same time and talking over each other. It was very confusing, Mm. and finally the nurse, one of the nurses, you know, basically shouted like, "You all need to get out of here." There's too many of you. You're not all allowed back here. Well, from their perspective, they were allowed back there. So what are you talking about? So they're going back mm-hmm. and forth. Everyone's arguing. So they get kind of get shoved into the hallway while their loved one is being worked on. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't serious. It was not a life or death situation. It was okay. a fairly routine reason, I think. So they okay. were literally fine to step away for a second. It was mm-hmm. just drama for no reason. Sure. But... I walked up to them and I was like, let me show you back to the waiting room. We're going to get him settled and then we're going to bring you guys back one at a time. You can switch off. We'll find out the best way for this. We just need to really minimize how many people are walking in the hallways. As you can see, it's really crowded. Let's just go back to the waiting room. And I took him there. And then later on, they were standing in the hallway again. Something was going on. They were maybe admitting him, whatever they were doing. And I heard one of them go, go ask her. She's the nice one. And they came up to me and they asked me something. Mm Mm-hmm. Was I nice to them? No, I did like the bare minimum, truthfully, but it was just a moment of politeness when they were feeling yeah. stressed. Mm-hmm. So I try and remember that when I'm feeling at my worst <laughs> to like yeah. try and be the nice one if you can. Yeah. Sometimes that takes a lot of energy. But think about how if during your coffee experience, even something as innocuous as that, they had been like, hey, you know what? We're really busy. I'm really sorry. I think that order just kind of fell through the cracks. I see that you've been waiting here. I'm going to do that for you right now. And I apologize. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you would have been like, not a problem. Thank you. Now, they're worried probably about Karen nonsense, right? With people screaming at them and carrying on. But you would, if you were going to be like that, you were going to do that when you were waiting regardless. So it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. A tiny bit of customer service makes a big difference. It really does. Yeah. So everybody keep that in mind as we move about our days. A tiny bit of customer service or kindness. A tiny bit of kindness goes a long way. It is it is amazing. And I do feel like kindness can be as infectious as negativity. It just takes more energy to get the inertia going. But that being said, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today because we've had a lot of people emailing us and Instagramming us. So I think we're going to take today to just kind of go through some of the like important emails that we've gotten and give you guys some feedback on the stuff you've been writing in on because you're important and we care about you. That's right. Let's hop to it. And we love you and we want to be kind to you. Aww. 
Our listeners make it easy to be kind to them. I mean, that's so true. We have awesome listeners. We do. You guys are so sweet and so great. Yeah. I've gotten a good amount of spooky stories, and some <gasps> of them are so, like, funny. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Because they're not, I mean, spooky, like, ghosty, yeah, but also I want to reiterate to people, it's not just ghosty that we're looking for. Like, even creepy shit that people do is fine. Your creepy psych patients that do wild things, like, we'd love to hear about it. And so some of the funniest ones that have been sent in have been about that, and I've been, like, cackling laughing reading them they're this so is great. so not fair because then we don't get original reactions from you i think you should not read some of them uh, i know but i have to see what they what they're messaging me for oh that's true so i can save them well can you guys just message in ghost story don't look now <laughs> oh make it even spookier yeah exactly do it like a chain email if you don't forward this spooky story <laughs> to 10 friends, uh, the one hooked man is going to come in the night and kill your mother. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That would make me forward it. Yeah, for sure. To 10 of do, my Do people do chain mail anymore? Is that a thing? I actually got one during the pandemic. It was for a recipe exchange. So it oh, wasn't yeah, a threat. Sure. But right. no one did it. So I did it. And I sent my Aww. little recipe and I only got one back and you're supposed to get a bunch. Yeah, you are supposed to get a bunch. You would think of all the times to do it, the pandemic would have been the time. I know. <laughs> Everybody's sitting around not doing anything. Well, that's that's exactly what everyone thought, I think. But then it didn't happen. So whatever. Yeah. But you know what? I also don't have my friends' emails the way that I used to. Like, my friends whose yeah. emails I had as a young person, mm-hmm. obviously I still do. And, you know, if I knew them from school or from work. We can communicate like that. But... Right. In general, we don't live in an email world anymore like that mm-hmm. outside of professionalism. So right. it's interesting. If I was to forward to 10 of my closest friends, I'm like, do I even have their emails? I don't know that I do. <laughs> Unless I've like you know, forwarded them a resume to edit for me, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would say even from the professional standpoint, communication has moved largely to texting. Definitely. Uh, anyway. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into right. some listener stuff. Yeah. This one is really quick, and I want to read it for our audience. I did respond back to this person directly, but I think it's valuable to share for everybody. So this one is from D. Hi, D. Hi, D. Hi. I wanted to write (laughs) y'all. I love it. (laughs) I wanted to write y'all because I absolutely adore y'all and wanted your thoughts. We have a patient that had five organs transplanted. He's been in the hospital for over 200 days, and he's looking at being discharged in a couple weeks. Naturally, the staff has grown close to him and his family. I'm new in a hospital setting, so I have never seen this before. It's so rewarding to see a patient overcome a five-organ transplant, but sad to see him going away. Would it be inappropriate to get the family a small parting gift and a signed card by the staff? Thank you. No, I think that's normal. Yeah, and and that's what I told Dee as well, is that I said it's totally appropriate to get them a gift. They've become a part of your unit family. Mm -hmm. So I said you don't have to put a lot of money into it at all, but, you know, just, I mean, even a card is nice, but if you feel inclined to get a gift, if, like, your unit wants to pull together, you know, a few bucks and get them something, I think that's totally appropriate. You know, like a little statue or picture frame or, you know, I mean, I don't know, something just, you know, I think small gestures go a long way. But when you are on a unit like that where 
people really kind of live there for a significant period of time, you really do get to know them. I mean, they, you grow quite close to them and I don't think it's inappropriate at all to get them a small gift just to let them know, look, you've, I mean, we care about you, you know, Mm -hmm. certainly nurses can't afford to buy every patient's gifts, but they don't build those kinds of relationships with every patient either. No, someone there 200 days. I mean, I'd almost be insulted if they didn't care that I was leaving. Right. Yeah. So yeah, D, I think I know I, I messaged you directly, but for anybody else who might be in the situation, I don't think there's anything unprofessional or inappropriate. I don't think you have to do it, but if you want to and you feel inclined to, I think it certainly is okay. And I think even if you felt some sort of way about a gift and spending money on it, a card with a lovely message on it about, you know, your family from this unit and how we've watched you overcome this and we or hope you you know the absolute best for you and things like that that's i think that's meaningful too something that they can read and have close to them if if they feel like they need extra support and things like that i think that's lovely yeah for sure okay good one yeah great great question kind of an unusual question for us i like that like a little bit different style yeah i try to pick out stuff that we don't talk about all the time yeah but some of the stuff is just (laughs) we talk about it all the time so why not just keep going like often we'll get a message on Instagram from people who are like, I don't know if you've talked about this because I haven't listened to every episode, but, and then proceeds to say something, no shade guys, sorry, but like that we probably talk about once every episode. <laughs> and I'm like, we definitely have, I'm not going to point out which ones, take a listen and hear about, it. like, I'm not, I'm not going through it one by one with you. Sorry, I can't do that. Right, right, right. But love you. But you are welcome to listen to them and they're there for all of posterity so you can repeat as much as you want. That's exactly right. Okay. This one is from B. Hi, B. Hi, B. All right. This one's a little bit longer. So this one is avid listener. I've been meaning to email you regarding a list of stuff for your input. Okay, great. I've been meaning to email you about your car's extended warranty. Right. I sent an Insta message of our work whiteboard, quote, remember your why. Yes, I talked to her about this. Oh, you did. Okay. And so I want to discuss some points. It may be a lot, but listening to your podcast has made me realize that I do not have to be a Florence Nightingale saint and I do not feed into the negative toxic, quote, we are here because we care mantra. This isn't the food pantry or the Ronald McDonald house. I am here to be paid and for the benefits for my family, and there is nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, hope I haven't lost you with my scroll-style email with lots to say. Number one, recently I was told by management that, quote, people slash person, unquote, said I can be negative. I am extremely vocal, always have been. I feel that coworkers use that to their advantage when I need to, quote, fight pharmacy that we do not have a med, prove a policy because I'm the policy queen or whatever the case may be. Management asked how we can change the negative side of me while keeping the diehard advocate, team leader, team cheerleader, team fun organizer who does hours countdowns on long days, water challenges, and other things to boost morale. How can we take advantage of your labor, but also have you be a positive always, 100% of the time, with no opinions or feelings negatively? Cool. (laughs) I feel two things. One, heartbroken that I am considered negative, but two, like, I don't give a fuck? Is that bad? (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) I am excellent at my job and I am a team player and an asset to our team. And then (laughs) 1A is part of the manager's point was people are leaving for any reason and we don't want negative toxicity to be a reason. Cop out. People aren't leaving because I am vocal. I will try to reel my vocal in and not dwell on it in some cases. A sub A. (laughs) This conversation stemmed from the holiday lottery low. Exactly what it sounds like. Each holiday management is supposed to send out the low lottery to staff. They didn't do it for one of the holidays. I'm, I'm summarizing here. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of like frustration, disappointment. Sounds like she emailed management about it. She asked the question. She wasn't the only one questioning it, mm-hmm. but she was considered being negative about it. Oh, and Jesus. it was reflected that she alone ruined people's holidays because she questioned the charge. She says she asked about it one time and moved on. Another nurse asked the question and was told, don't jump on her bandwagon. Just because she has a problem doesn't mean you have to. Nice. And then received texts from her manager about it. But she's the problem with the negativity? Okay. And how would you feel if your manager asked you, quote, how can we change your negative side? Well, let me let me address that real quick, because I don't know if it will come as a shock to you, but I get this a lot. (sighs) What I will say is that I very, very strongly believe that our greatest strengths are also our greatest weaknesses. So the fact that you are vocal about things, you're an advocate for change, you're an advocate for doing what's right. I don't know you and I've never been in a room with you that I know of, but that can sometimes come across as complaining, being negative. You're you're the squeaky wheel, right? And that doesn't feel good to be that person because your intention is pure, your intention is positive. But sometimes it's how it translates to other people. And I'm not saying this is you. Like I said, I'm going solely off your email, but I know this applies to me. I'm legit. Sarah will Sarah will back me up on this. I'm probably one of the kindest humans. Okay, that's that's ballsy. Maybe I'm not. (laughs) No, you are genuinely in your heart of hearts, a warm lovely, kind person who absolutely wants the best for people. Absolutely, yeah, without yes, a doubt. That's, that's very true. And so, but sometimes it's my verbalizing those things isn't received the same way that I'm intending it to be put out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's the answer to that? You know, if I knew, I wouldn't be in a lot of the situations that I get in. Um, But again, I feel that is my strength and my weakness is my communication. So some people view me as extremely verbally aggressive. I just speak what's on my mind and I don't sugarcoat things and I don't feel like I should have to. I feel like what's right is right and let's do it and move on. Let's address a situation and move on. I feel like based on what you're telling me in your email, you're probably of the same cloth. So you are very well-intentioned. You want the best for people. You're an advocate. You fight for what's right. You'll stand up for your patients. You'll 
espouse policy, you know the policies, you read the policies, you sound like very similar to me. And there can be a lot of criticism on people like that because it's much easier to just be quiet and say nothing, right? So I guess if you're going to be an advocate for change, as much as I hate to say it because I hate it myself, you kind of have to grow thicker skin. So the fact that you're saying, uh, I don't give a fuck, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I think you, in some ways, have to be that way, but there are ways to communicate in a more professional way. So an example that I can use of this is I remember when I was a new grad nurse and I would have people, I think we've used this example on the podcast before, but I would have people come into the ER and they would say, well, the stomach pain's been going on for four years. <laughs> and I would say, so why are you here today? Mm-hmm. And what I what I meant by that was, it's been four years. Why the fuck are you here today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that did not come across to people. They They felt like I was being really snotty, like I was judging them for coming in and things like that. And I got a lot of feedback on that. So what I learned to do was say, so what was it about, what was it that made today different? What was it about today that made you come to the ER? Mm-hmm. And that is just a little bit of a softer way to say the same thing. Yeah. And so I think sometimes it's just in your choice of words and the I, I don't have a perfect solution because I too struggle with this. Also, have you been tested for ADHD? Because you may want to think about that. Yeah, I have some some points to make, too, if that's allowed. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Because I absolutely agree. I have two main points. One being, in a professional setting, you have to be careful who you vent to. That's true. And not just vent traditionally, like complaining, but comments that you make, criticisms that you make, even, even certain layers of advocacy for your staff. Management is never going to respond well to it being perceived like it stemmed from gossip or that you're stirring the pot and getting people agitated and things like that. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that contributes to the toxicity of a unit. And I'm not saying it's right, but I am saying that in a professional setting, there are times when you cannot just say what you want. That is just the reality of the world. Imagine if every person who worked in either patient-facing or customer-facing roles said the things that we thought right to their face, right? Like, we'd be shot. It's impossible. It's not It's not a possible to, to act like that. So I would urge a little restraint in terms of who you're saying these things to, because clearly people are listening and not in the way that you're intending. And then the second sort of going off what you said, Jamie, about softening the words. I've had this conversation with people before too. If you were getting feedback that how you are saying things is not receiving people in the intended way, it's not a them problem. It's a you problem. And what I mean by that is if you don't adjust the way that you are speaking to people so that they can hear you, then you don't really care if they hear you. You just want to be right. Mm, That's a good point. And that's okay, but don't pretend like you're trying to affect change when you are really going out of your way to make sure that these people are not receiving what you're hearing. And that may look like a really annoying process. Like I have a friend who is incredibly sensitive 
it's very frustrating to deal with her because she will twist things that you say and Ugh. take everything very personally, right? She's become a small doses friend over the years because I've had to sort of back <laughs> off of that. But yeah. when there are times that I really want her to hear what I'm saying, I can't mm-hmm. just bluntly tell her things. I can, but she's not going to hear it. She's not going to receive it. It It doesn't mean anything. So I might as well just, I'm just saying the words out loud just to be right about them. And that's nothing. And it damages my relationship with her. So Mm. you have to learn how to speak to people in a way that they're going to hear it. That's a really good point. If you are genuinely in your heart, which I do think you are, wanting to be a force of change for good. Mm Mm-hmm. And so tact and diplomacy, that's why people who are successful in not even political arenas, but just on a persuasion level Mm -hmm. and self-help level and things like that, people who are really good at that are able to approach things tactfully so that you don't offend people to the point where they just can't hear the rest of what you're going to say to them. Yeah, that's a really good point and something that I probably need to work on. (laughs) I also need to work on it. I know how my tone gets and I know that as soon as it clicks to that, people are not listening to me anymore. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. And it sounds like it sounds like B probably struggles with the same thing. Yeah. And I'm sure and we're not alone, certainly. We all deal we all deal with people like ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so we're not judging you. We are you. <laughs> we are you. No worries. All right. Uh, a couple more points she makes. She is an oncology nurse. This hospital is a, a sub hospital of a larger system. The other hospitals in the system pay their staff for their time for their chemo certification and recertification along with other certs. My hospital pays for like the basic certs, but not chemo. And she fought administration management, doing the legwork to gather research of all the neighboring hospitals within our system and surrounding hospitals. It is an unwritten job requirement that we are chemo certified She's still fighting to get paid for her time. It's an unwritten expectation that you're chemo certified? How is that possible? I don't know, because they want them to all be chemo certified, but they're not paying them for it. Okay, interesting. That sounds like something that would normally be in a policy if that was the expectation. But maybe they're saying because they don't want to, they won't. Yeah, I don't know. So what, you just can't take care of patients on your floor if you're not? That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. This is the limited amount of information I have in the email. But I mean, and that happens all the time where you hear things, you're like, it can't possibly cost that much money to pay for us to be certified. It couldn't possibly cost that much. Like, hello. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as far as that goes, I think when you're dealing with a large hospital system, there is a crap ton of red tape and bureaucracy that you have to cut through to get anything like that done and approved. Mm-hmm. And in today's day and age, particularly large hospital systems, typically, although they might be labeled not for profit, are really business entities and they will cut bottom line. And unfortunately, one of the first things to go from bottom line is education, as we all know. Yep. So I think you're fighting probably a losing battle. If you were just at one hospital and and you were dealing with local administrators, you might be able to get it through. But something like that at a large hospital system, I don't know. Although she's saying the rest of the hospitals in the system get it. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you keep fighting, I guess. Yeah. I mean, listen, all you can do is gather the data and present it to them and be like, we would like this change. Here is some data. Yeah. And then all they can, all you'll get from that is you, they can do with that information what they will. Yeah. To me, that seems like a a low stakes win for your staff. Yeah. 
The one thing that I will say is money talks. So yeah. if you can present the information in a way that illustrates to them how it actually saves money to invest in your certification, they will mm-hmm. have wider eyes open about it. Yeah. Just food, yeah, for, food for thought on that. Uh, I can't go through all your stuff. I'm sorry, B. Okay, this one, a PTO conundrum. She followed all the policies and procedures to get a PTO request approved, and she's now being asked to cancel certain PTO because it's not, quote, fair to take off as much time as she is. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. She has the PTO. Nobody has requested the day, and it's, she says it's eight shifts over a course of four and a half weeks. Uh, I think you should just say, no, I'm sorry. You've granted me the PTO. I'm taking it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish I had a, a more sophisticated answer than that. But the bottom line is I have the PTO. You granted it to me. I've made plans. I'm taking it. Yeah. Period. I don't owe you any level of explanation about what I'm going to be doing with it. It's yeah, not up to you to gauge or judge whether or not it's worthy of taking a day. Unless nope, the policy nope. states that I can't take this amount of time off in a certain pay period, we're good. We don't need to talk about this anymore. Absolutely. Well, eight shifts, if she's a normal nurse, well, I guess it's... She's taking it's up eight little, shifts in the schedule? Eight shifts in the course of four and a half weeks. I but mean, I feel some two- sort of way about that, but I'm not... It doesn't mean that's that I can only, tell like her it's not a two to. Week, that's a two-week vacation, and then one of the other... Week maybe she has like one day off each of the other week. I mean I don't know whatever. The bottom line is you earned it. It's yours. Use it. Yeah, whatever. I mean we just had an episode a few weeks ago where we talked about people calling out for ridiculous reasons, and my response was schedule your time off, plan your time off. If you yeah, know you want to go it. to a concert, take a night off or schedule to work a different day. Yeah, better and than so- calling in because I'm burnt the fuck out from this place. Right. You earned your PTO. Take your PTO. I mean, I think I get PTO. It amounts to something like six and a half weeks of PTO a year. So if I want to take a two week vacation, I'm taking a two week vacation. I've, yeah. I've I've earned it. I'm entitled to it. Well, and you know what? They'd be OK with her taking a two week vacation if it was consistently because it would just be two blocked weeks. But because it's right. taken over time and impacts the schedule on a weekly basis, they feel some sort of way about it. But if I was taking two full weeks off, that would just be a normal vacation that you'd be like, OK, have a good time in Italy. Like what? Right. Right. Yeah. But because I'm take taking it off vacation. to like catch up with other shit in my life. <laughs> whatever whatever all right b that's all the time i can spend on your email but i hope that's helpful all right you have i have many more emails um we'll see what we have time for but i know you have some igs you want to go through too yes i do in terms of a slightly different type of request here's a question i don't know if this will prod anybody's noodle but let's just let's see <laughs> This is from V. Hi, V. Hi, all. Love the podcast. Long time listener. Wanted your opinion about something that I've been tasked with. I've joined a committee to build a clinical career ladder for my unit, starting off from uh, new grad probation up to the highest level. We've been gathering data from other hospitals and units and see consistency in how it starts as a grad nurse and slowly builds up to a level four or D or whatever. Level D being engaging at a hospital system level. Does anyone actually like these ladders? Does it actually help retain staff? Do you guys have any advice when it comes to building this ladder? Okay, the first question is, 
does anybody actually like these ladders? Yeah. I have been at several hospitals that offer these ladders. And what I hear, I, I'm going to tell you, I've never moved forward with the ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is so much work for such a small incremental adjustment to your pay that yeah. the time and effort you have to spend to do it just isn't worth it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, they want you to be involved on so many committees and all this just extra shit. And it's like, I'm all for the nurse getting education, but I'll tell you. So the first place I was at to move to like the first level, I think you got like a dollar an hour raise, which I mean, okay, but the amount, I mean, it was so much work. So does it actually help retain staff? No, I don't think it's a staff retention thing at all. Mm -hmm. I do think it helps create organizational involvement and organizational commitment. And those things in turn can lead to retaining staff because people that are more invested in the organization in which they serve have a harder time leaving because they build more ties and they're just, they're just more invested in it. But a lot of people that I know that I've done the ladder, they'll do the ladder initially and then they quit. Do, they, they're like, no, I'm, I'm not doing the ladder anymore. It's way too much work. Yeah. So if you're going to develop a ladder program, if you really, truly want it to be successful, I think I think you got to balance the benefit versus the the cost. And when I say cost, I mean resource costs like these nurses are already investing their time coming to the unit and things like that. How much are you asking them to invest their time additionally via education, via committees that, let's be honest, how many committees actually ever do anything? Very few. I mean, I think if you really want to No, it's a meeting to have a meeting. Exactly. I think if you really want to do something that matters, build some kind of committee that actually gets stuff done because... There's way too many committees that just are committees to schedule more meetings, and it's a pain in the butt. I think unit committees are better than hospital committees because yeah, for sure. And I know that's only a certain level of career ladder. I've I've been in a few ladders. I agree with you. I think the expectation is too high for what you get out of it, and it's kind of reminiscent to me of basically kind of what um our last uh, write-in was saying when she, when the, the message she sent me on Instagram was a photo of their whiteboard that was like, remember your why? And I was like, yikes, mm-hmm. that's toxic positivity. I'm not here for it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. You should be here. You should be doing this. You should be climbing the career ladder because you're invested in your own education. And we are just yeah. giving you basically the money to facilitate that sometimes, not even always. Right. And that should be enough for you, not a huge financial increase. And we are we are past the time where that is enough for nurses. We just are. But I also think that they're giving you false power saying that you're deciding this clinical ladder because there's going to be a lot of expectations of things that you are going to have to put in there. And I bet they're not going to negotiate about what the level of things are that you have to do to advance. That's a valid point. Even though we Inter- know yeah. it's not really achievable for people. Yeah. The people that I know that have been in ladders just do a crap ton of work and it is no it is just not worth the dollar an hour extra you get. Or yeah. I mean whatever it is. The 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 point is the payment, the benefit to you is so incremental. It just 
is almost irrelevant. And you know what, for for my role, I started joining a lot of committees because once I got tucked into my role, of course there's times that are busy, but I was bored with it, but I wasn't ready to leave. I'm in grad school. I can't leave. So Mm-hmm. I was like, I need to join some stuff to do something else and to, to like tickle my brain a little bit and just, I was just bored, right? So is it the most scintillating work I've ever done? No, but you know what I'm doing? I'm networking the fuck out of it. And yeah. I was just talking to somebody about that when they were on Instagram, they were saying, you know, I don't even know what jobs are out there. I don't even know how to find them, which we've talked about. And yeah even looking at your Instagram story reel about what other non-clinical jobs are like I don't really know and I was like if you are on day shift sorry night shift I'm so sorry I just don't think it's really that possible on night shift no join a committee because if you join a hospital-wide committee you are going to rub elbows with a huge variety of people and that ultimately is going to serve you better oh if you are interested in climbing the corporate ladder get on day shift because you will be basically non-existent in their mind if you're a night shifter doesn't matter how great you are you don't interface with them and they don't see the work you can do yep even if they hear about it from your manager about this is like the greatest nurse we've ever had until they're with you it doesn't matter yep yep you're right about that so um yeah i i don't know clinical ladder is it worth it? I personally don't think so. Does it keep employees around? I personally don't think so. Agreed. I don't want to say you're you're fighting a losing battle there, but... <laughs> well, <laughs> so... I, I get the inspiration of like, oh, this is going to be so good for people. It's investing in nursing education, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But it's, you know, anytime you have to study and take an exam outside of your normal work requirements like to be certified in something special or whatever i mean think about all the people you know who are ccrns yeah i assume that comes with some level of pay increase but i don't know that it's like insanely worth it but it is kind of one of those expectation things after a certain amount of time that you've been there like often you have to do that i don't know if it's required of people maybe it is so some places require it particularly if they're trying to reach magnet status yeah but i have never worked at a facility and and i could be unique I've never worked at a facility that has given you a pay increase when you've achieved those certifications. Same. Neither have I. So they want you to get it. It's like, go, go, go. Wear this pin that you earn from it to show that you're an expert in your field, but you're not worth any more money to me. Correct. That's just, that's been my experience. So, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, I've... I have a master's degree, but yeah, I, I get paid the same at the bedside as somebody that has an associate's degree. Yep. You know, my my master's degree doesn't provide me any additional money. No. Now, when I, I mean, obviously I do other roles, but I'm just saying at the bedside. At the bedside, so. yeah. We are in a world, I'm sorry to report, where no amount of professional self-actualization is going to earn you more money. That's not what nursing is in healthcare. Yeah. So if that's your expectation, and I don't mean like, Obviously, if you go back to be a CRNA or something like that, you're going to make more money because you're doing a different job. But if you're if your goal is to stay at the bedside in whatever capacity and laterally improve things on your resume to earn more money at the bedside, it's that's not going to happen. That's not how they gauge it. My friend who has 10 years experience as a nurse just left the bedside to go do a dialysis job and she's taking a four dollar an hour pay cut. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, does does any experience change that? And she said, nope, it's a set range. It doesn't matter. 
Oh my gosh. Ugh. It's I'm criminal. so tired of that. Ugh, we can take criminal. all sorts of classes about how to negotiate for salary and these hospitals won't play ball. It's infuriating. No, they don't. It's criminal. They don't. That's exactly right. It is. I know. It's cr- oh god. Maddening. Maddening. But ultimately, okay. you know, what's the what's the cost of peace of mind? I mean, that's that's what it comes down to in terms of toxic positivity, you know, what's the cost of peace of mind? Like people have to do what they have to do. I've taken pay cuts on jobs. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a whole different story. I mean, you're not talking about, like, the education being, you know, compensated for your extra knowledge. You're just talking about, like, the bottom line is more money does not equate to more happiness in the job. Sometimes you have a higher level of happiness at a job that pays you less, and that in and of itself is worth more. Right. So it sometimes is just... You just have to suck it up and take the cut and get somewhere where you can wake up every morning and not be miserable going to work, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're in a boat where you're miserable going to work, there's no amount of dollars they can give you to make you happy in that job. You might feel a temporary little bump in happiness, you know, like your little dopamine hit there, like, oh, I got Mm -hmm. some money, I can buy... Buy a trip somewhere to get away from this place. Yeah, to get away from this place. (laughs) Here's a tip. If you are using any extra money you get from a place on excursions to get away from that place, (laughs) you should leave that place. (laughs) Hashtag all nurses everywhere. If you ever ever walk around, I don't know if day shift is as bad, but when I walk around and I do my rounds at night, I can't tell you how many nurses are online looking at vacation destinations. Oh, constant. I know I, think, I am. I constantly have a flight tracker up on my phone. Just at all Yeah, time. I mean, it is like, get me the F out of here. Well, and part of it is a, is a symptom or, or whatever of just the type of scheduling that nurses have where you accidentally yeah. have a full week, a week off. off. And you know yeah, what, absolutely. you all? I'm sorry. You need to appreciate it more because <laughs> I can't even tell you what it's like to work Monday through Friday, five eights. In theory, it's perfect, right? No. Do you know what it's like to have to take PTO every single time you want to go away for a weekend? Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Like more than one night or or you're leaving after work at like 530 during rush hour on a Friday and you have to come back by Sunday. Oh, I didn't appreciate it when I was accidentally taking, you know, you have a week off sort of just because you front loaded and back loaded. I'm not saying you have to go somewhere every time, but, like, please appreciate that because, man, do I miss it so much. I have no PTO. It's awful. Oh, that's so sad. I never took PTO when I was a Florida nurse, except if I was going away for, like, a full, you know, week or two. Yeah. Yeah, because you didn't have to. You had enough You didn't have to. You just scheduled things right. Ugh. Yep. Ugh. Well, listen, um, we are basically out of time, but there's one email that I have to get to you because, I'm not going to lie, this annoyed me a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, L. I gotta call you out a little bit because I've never felt annoyed. Oh no, L. What happened? What did you do? L. <laughs> L <Elle> says, <laughs> "Good brunch." On my way into work this a.m., I was listening to the bed bug and ED story Jamie told. My question is, how did Jamie not notice all these bed bugs if they were getting crunched underfoot in the lobby and dropping off the patient in the hallway on the way to his room? Jamie said she took vital signs, drew blood, and laid him on a stretcher for an EKG, yet never noticed? Respectfully, that is hard to understand and wonder if there is more to the story. Otherwise, thanks for... 
Otherwise, thanks for all your hard work at the podcast. I sometimes refer my students to some not-so-salty sections of discussions in my professionalism class. Best, which which I love. I love that you have a professionalism class. That's amazing. Oh, Elle. All right. You're on thin ice, but I want to talk to you about about that. (laughs) Okay. So, Elle, the way this reads to me is that you think I'm lying, which I am not. So I will clarify before we leave today so that you can feel better about this. (laughs) By the way, I've never lied on this podcast ever. Not one time. I don't exaggerate stories to get listeners. Um, So if there, I I would say if there's one thing about me, I, I literally don't lie. Jamie doesn't (laughs) lie. Jamie has no reason to lie because she'll just be honest with you the first time around. There's don't come to her unless you're ready for brutal fucking honesty, guys. I'm telling you. I probably could use some tone softening. No, but it's always here's the thing. It's always good advice. (laughs) All right. So with respect to how you phrased all this, I did take vitals on the patient and there were no bugs falling off of the patient at this time. He was sitting across the lobby, so I never went over by his lobby seat, so I did not witness any of these until after the fact when we looked and saw them crunched under there. When I took vitals on him, I did not, there were no bugs crawling around. I didn't see any bugs. When he went in the back room for the lab draw, that was done by other nurses, And when he went back for the EKG, that was done by other nurses. I have to stay out front because if I walk away from the triage desk and something emergent comes in, there's nobody there to receive it. So I can't leave the front desk to go do those things. As far as what the other nurses, they obviously did not see it when they did his EKG. They didn't see it when they got blood work. I don't know if they were going quickly and didn't... uh, I actually, I think when they did the EKG, I think that's when they when they found them. But blood work, they did not find them. They weren't disrobing him for blood work. They just straight stuck him for blood work. For all I know, they poked him in his hand and didn't like push his sleeve up or anything like that. I wasn't present for the actual blood draw. They just took him into our back triage room to do it. And then they took him back there to do the EKG as well. And I, if I remember correctly, because this has been a while now, if I remember correctly, during the EKG is when they discovered the bed bugs. But when they wheeled him back, they were falling off of the bed. So maybe that's because they lifted his shirt up to do the EKG. I was going to say, they, they probably took his clothes. Yes, or they took his clothes off to do the EKG. And so that's when they started falling about. So, so I wasn't present for those things. So that's why I personally didn't notice them there. I can't speak to other people that were present, but there were none. I didn't see any when I did vitals on him. I also didn't disrobe him for vitals. So, um, so that is how that went down. So I promise you, I'm not lying. I don't need to exaggerate things to get listeners. Um, but thank you for teaching and thank you for being a professor And thank you for having a professionalism class, because I don't think enough students are taught professionalism. And uh, if there's anything we can do to help you with your professionalism class, let us know. And I'm sorry that you feel like we're salty all the time. It is what it is. Okay. So, Al, have a beautiful day. Thanks for writing in. We appreciate you. And uh, 
yeah, take care. Any last minute updates from you or anything you want to do before we go? Because we're over time. No, I'm golden. Okay. Well, you guys, uh, one more opportunity to send in ghost stories. Uh, We are going to be recording that in one week. Is that correct? Two weeks? Yeah. No, we're we're recording. Are we recording it in one week? So like right when this one comes out. Yeah. So last. Yeah. So so by the time you hear this, you have like a day or two to get in any last minute ghost stories. Um, And then we'll be recording that episode. Reminder, not just ghosts. Anything creepy is good. Creepy. But I prefer ghosts because Sarah hates those the most. Well, send us your ghost stories and you can send creepy things, but ghost stories are better. But creepy things are good, too, according to Sarah. So so anyway. Whatever. Whatever. If you think creepy things don't also freak me out, then you are incorrect. No, I 100% think you're freaked out by creepy things. I know you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You guys have a beautiful week. Um, Make sure you like us, love us, share us with all your friends, write us in on any topics you want. Sarah on, uh, excuse me, Gmail at Nurse Coffee Talk. Me, email nursecoffeetalk at gmail.com. Sarah, Instagram. What'd I say? Gmail. Email. I, I had... I don't know. I, I don't That's even right. know what's happening. They know I've where been to find up me. for like 22 hours. So. <laughs> you know where to find me. All right. You I find know. her. You find me. Find yourselves. Have a beautiful <laughs> week. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>